People deluded, I'm back again. Good morning. I hope you're all well and safe and in good spirits on this Tuesday morning. Welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast. Once again, thank you very much for tuning in and I hope you're well and safe. Now, obviously yesterday, I like to bring it out on a Monday, people, but when there's fixtures on a Monday, I like to wait until Tuesday. You don't know what you're going to miss. Now, admittedly, when you see the West Brom result, nil-nil to be expected. Um, Can't believe people had to pay for that. Big up Slavin Bilic for being quite critical on that. You know, saved 15 quid. We've got the Champions League starting Tuesday and Thursday. Unfortunately for Arsenal and Spurs fans, we have to, you know, the Europa League it is what it is. For me, the Europa League couldn't come at a, at a worse time because it means I'm going to miss Thursday training for my team, AFC Edmonton. Make sure you give them all a, a follow on Instagram and, and subscribe on YouTube and all of those things. Um but yeah, it's been an interesting week in Premier League football, really and truly. It's been an interesting start to the Premier League. And, you know, when you consider the Spurs game, the Chelsea game, you know, the City and, and, and well, not so much City, but Liverpool in general and City, people are drawing too many conclusions in the Premier League. I think the one theme you can see, nobody looks good defensively. Nobody looks 100% solid. I think that's respected, reflected apologies in the fact that Aston Villa and Arsenal are up there for defensive stats. Now, let's not get it twisted. These are two teams you wouldn't expect to be there. You know, it's well documented Arsenal's historic problems, despite Arteta obviously coming in and shoring things up a bit. Um, Aston Villa, you know what it is. Um, so let's give credit to the to both teams. It's not an accident, but, you know, come May, I doubt both teams would be up there. And I think that highlights it. Like I said, big up to those teams for improving, but I think it, highlight, it highlights that, you know, one theme has been defensively. We're going to get onto the Spurs game, but, you know, Spurs have got great attackers. You know, Bell look rusty, but Son and Kane showing what they're on. But it doesn't matter how many goals you score if you can't keep goals out the back of your net, as stupid as it sounds. So we'll get on to it. Obviously, we had the Merseyside derby as well. Probably the most exciting Merseyside derby for me in recent years. So let's crack straight into it. Apologies, people. Dry mouth. Need a bit of a juice, man. It's, it's early in the morning. I'm quite dehydrated. Ah, Big up the peanut water. And big up my, my phone for trying to alert me to potential news. But we're going to put that on silent. Let's get the misery and the doom and gloom out the way, man. Manchester City won Arsenal nil, and you know, for on one hand, you know, I wouldn't say that I'm happy with the defeat, but I called for worst case scenario. I said in this podcast and I said on YouTube, I want to leave with some bit of credibility, with some face. I didn't want these cricket scores, you know. It's well highlighted Arsenal's form against the top six sides. It's well highlighted, you know, our lack of clean sheets in general. People, apologies as I move my laptop. Um, it's well highlighted. So to only lose one nil is disappointing because it is so much what if, but it is what it is. For me, it's a weird one because I feel much... I think it's different to the Liverpool game, but I feel the one theme is there's just too much respect. I feel we had slight, in a healthy way, slight less respect for Man City. You saw early on, you know, we, you, even David Luiz were pressing them and that was one thing. We kind of caught them out playing from the back a couple of times. I know they played out from the back expertly well in the build-up to the goal that we conceded, but you get the point, people. Um, I just feel, you know, I feel defensively there was a plan. We tried to match them, you know, I feel with the lineup. Obviously, I don't really agree with William as a false nine and, and stuff like that. But looking at the lineup before the game, people, I was thinking, yo, this is a little attacking team. You know, he's gone with Bakayo Saka initially at fullback um, as opposed to Maitland Niles. That tells me you want to get forward. Abamian on the flanks, it is what it is. You know, I thought William would be there and Abamian through the middle, but it was William in a false nine. 
Pepe had a chance to stick two fingers up at Arteta and say, why are you not starting me? And none of the attackers grabbed their chances for Arsenal. Um, you know, Aubameyang didn't have a shot against Liverpool and City now. That's concerning. Um, bit of it is his own fault. You've got to have a shot, but at the same time, we're not creating. You know, Pepe hasn't started too many games, had the chance to start and stick two middle fingers up at Arteta and say, why are you not starting me? Didn't grab his opportunity. And while I feel it's harsh because you look at William, you know, one second, people. Getting hot. Hoodie had to get backed off. But like I said, yeah, you know, William's been afforded a number of opportunities. And I think that's that's um, Arteta's man. And I think when I was speaking on my YouTube channel with Turkish LDN, um, follow him if you haven't, um, he made a good point that in hindsight was William. I know William, we speak of bringing in William, you know, for, for, for flexibility and to complement the side. And, you know, we need players that are here for now as much as we've got those for the future. Was he brought in to shore things up defensively? Because he one consistency has been the amount of work he gives you defensively. You know, that's probably why he was going false nine as well. Is is that why? Um, I think William's been afforded too many chances and not taking his opportunities at Arsenal. I like that Arte It's still early. I'm not saying get rid of man and that, but, you know, he's come out of the team. You know, he's had opportunities. He's not taking them. In the same way Pepe could have stuck middle fingers up, you know, William could have said if Arteta had any doubts in him that you could still believe in me and he needs to back up his manager selection because you know you're I'm saying it you're saying it you're asking why did William play not obviously not in a false nine role but why did he start you know if he does well in this game he shuts up things and he makes his manager look like a, a genius he failed to do that and as much as I feel Pepe didn't take his chance it is difficult you know you're not playing you've been thrown in for your first start you need to take your opportunities but you're playing City you ain't been afforded the luxury someone like William has where you know he's played a couple of games he's been allowed to get into the groove of things I'm making no excuses for anyone because they were all poor I think Ceballos, after watching the game again, he put himself around. But, you know, our midfield, it shows that we're limited. You know, Xhaka is too high up the field. Ceballos is nowhere to be seen in the build-up for um, um for the goal. You know, Sergio Aguero, we allow the midfield allow him to run too easily. Gabriel and Luisa are too are too far apart and are caught ball-watching. Nobody at all, whether that's Saka or, or Tierney, track the run of Raheem Sterling. That's why he's got so much time if he didn't want to hit that first time. You know, Phil Foden, um, it was an, it was a weak effort. Maybe Leno could have done a bit better. I think it's a bit harsh, but I suppose so. Obviously, it was too easy several times in that game for Bell against Bellerin and Bellerin didn't do well enough for the folding goal. So it was a number of errors. And to be fair, that was after 20 minutes. I feel we had a good 20 minutes, but these sort of games are about their fine margins and it's almost business as usual. We knew Raheem Sterling was going to score. He captained the team. Um, you know, he's been directly involved in six goals in his last five appearances against Arsenal. Four goals, two assists. They were, and, you know, Kevin De Bruyne wasn't missed. And on one hand, it shows their depth. On the other hand, you've got to give credit to Pep Guardiola. You know, it was always going to be a game as well for all the tactical stuff and who would outsmart who tactically. And Arteta's outsmarted Pep and Klopp before and Lampard. Um, today specifically, you know, well, like against like at Anfield in the league, he was unfortunate. He was outsmarted by Pep. You know, we failed to deal with that sort of makeshift free at the back when Ake was going and playing like a left back. Rodri dropping in, Bernardo Silva receiving the ball deep, Cancelo Cancelo playing like an inverted centre mid as well as a as well as a right back. And you know, in hindsight. That probably gave Carl Walker a bit more confidence that I've got pace. Plus, there's two of us. Abamian's not going to do nothing. As well as a, as as poor as Abamian was, I feel they tactically outdone us. We sank in midfield. Um, but you know, I don't. I just feel the main negatives were. You know, I like that we had a game plan defensively and it worked. You know, we didn't we didn't lose three 0 like we did last game. 
I just feel we didn't have enough about us going forward. I don't feel we really tried. I don't feel we truly believed in an attacking sense that we could harm City, um, unlike Leicester and Leeds. And I feel that's one consistency with the Liverpool game. We didn't show enough. We didn't. It didn't look like we believed, you know. And as great as these players are, you know, you can't respect people in a healthy way. You respect them as a human. You you know, you don't do things you're not supposed to. But football is 22 players on the field. It don't matter how much money you got. If you've won World Cup and all of these things, you know, it's 22 players trying to pull it one ball over a line. Believe in yourselves. And I think we've been a bit defeative. And that's the next step for me under Arteta. Defensively, we're not perfect, but there's been a dramatic improvement. But can we remember the other end now? Because in the same way Arteta came in, instantly improved us defensively. Even before talking about Gabriel coming to the club and all of this, instantly improved us defensively, you know. And that's arguably a harder job because you had players, you know, even players that weren't involved against City, you know, the Mustafis, these regular offenders, these repeated offenders when it comes to defensive mistakes. you, you, you on, on a regular basis, you line them up like in the police station and sometimes Mustafi isn't the offender, but he's not far from the crime instantly changed our habits you know changed the thinking of our players improved us defensively so i have to ask arteta as well as the players have to dig it out why is it not clicking as as much attackingly why does it seem like it's harder from an attacking sense when it should be easier because i'm sure ironically you know we had a decent attack last season the season before and we couldn't defend now we can defend relatively well you know we our attack isn't hitting it you know arsenal always need one more whether it's we got a cam we need a striker we got a striker we got no cam we got a creative mid we got no dm we got one centre half we don't have another we got a left back we don't have a right we love that sort of stuff people we love we love it and I, and I don't understand I don't understand why um, but that's the next step for the players but also Arteta because whatever you say about William he's fairly you describe him as a fairly decent player in the attacking third he can get an okay return Pepe, for as much as people have gotten onto him, he got decent numbers last season. Aubameyang, it's another debate as to him, and that's for one for another podcast. But again, I mentioned Aubameyang, you mentioned goals. Lacazette might not be the 20-league goal man, but he should be around there for goals, and he has been this season. And, you know, you've got a couple other players I haven't mentioned, but Saka in that. Why are we struggling to score goals? Why are we struggling to have shots? You know, I can break it down and whatnot, but that's something for Arteta because, you know, it seems easier to affect just because of the personnel available, surely it's easier to improve us in an attacking sense. I don't think he's truly convinced in any of our attackers, really and truly. I think he plays William because Pep William gives us a lot defensively. I think he likes Pepe, but he doesn't fully trust him. I think he likes Aubameyang, but he's not convinced with his hold-up play. I don't think he rates Lacazette too tough. He likes the qualities he brings, but it's not a main sort of player. I, I think he likes what Eddie's brought to the table and he, Eddie gives him more creative options in, t in terms of what he can do up front. Do you go a Bamian up front? Do you go him on the left? Do you bring in Laka what? But I don't think he truly rates that. I don't think he truly rates any of these attackers like that. And that might be an issue. You know, in terms of creativity, there's a problem evidently as well. We've seen a lot of many different experiments. Um, Ceballos won't play there because I remember Arteta speaking as he, he sees him as one of the pivots and whatnot. Joe Willock's been played in that role. He struggles, you know. Ozil is no longer a thing at Arsenal and I believe the Premier League squad is going to be announced today and we are probably waiting as Arsenal fans to see that final confirmation in the Mesut Ozil coffin, you know, in which he will never play for this club again. And say what you want about him, I think that's quite sad, you know. He has he is one of the best players to have played for this club. Let's not let's not cap, you know, let's not cap. It might not be what people thought, but if we remember some of the games, he's had some great moments. And even away from the fact I'm a fan of Ozil and whatnot, people, it's sad that someone that's won FA Cups and, and these things there, you know, I couldn't tell you when his last game was. That's that's quite the way to bow out, you know. It's quite it's quite sad. But it is what it is. Socrates 
um, stands um, to be out of there as well. Obviously, with that game, it continues our extremely poor form against Manchester City people and more or less confirms, apologies, more or less confirms what we already know, that we struggle to score, we struggle to keep a clean sheet. We just, we're just not on it against them. With that, obviously, people, um, Arsenal have now lost each of their last seven league games against Man City, their longest such run against an opponent since last losing seven in a row against Ipswich between 1974 and 1977, which I'm not old enough to remember, but I know some of you that rock with me are, and you're, you're old enough to remember their mad days. Now, if you saw the 2-2 game against Everton, well, that was played out better yet between Liverpool and Everton. It was a fantastic game for me as a neutral, purely because the Merseyside derby, let's be honest, it hasn't really lived up to expectations as a neutral. I mean, this had four goals. This had VAR. This had, you know, had everything. You know, first and foremost, I'm upset about Van Dijk. I'm not a Liverpool fan. Granted, next time we play them, I'm a bit more happier. But I never like to see a man injured. I never like to see... We've got to remember this is a man's health. You know, way before he's a footballer, I'm going to assume he's a father. I'm pretty sure he must have a he must have a girlfriend, so he's a husband. And he must be a family man, you know. He must have a mother and whatnot, you know. And obviously, he's a male, so he's prideful. Obviously, I don't know anything about injuries, but when I hear knee injury, at least initially, you can imagine crutches. You can imagine struck, potentially struggling to do basic life necessi um, necessities. Like, I don't think it's that extreme, but, you know, some people struggle in life to wipe their own ass. Apologies for sounding a bit vague, you know, it's a, it's, it's a sad reality. For me, that's one of my biggest fears. Personally, I want to leave the earth personally when I can't do these sort of things for myself. So someone like Van Dyke, who's a professional athlete, you know, it's quite it's quite sad, you know. He's been robbed of his health first and foremost. He's been he's been robbed of being, you know, the dad, the 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 brother, the son, the what the the husband, the whatever he is in his family world and and and, and dad and whatever. Obviously it's a it's a gutting one because he's 29 now he's, he's he's not old he can still have a he's still got a number of years but you know how you you know if this happens at 19 it's different from 29 and for me for van dyke i was happy to see him progress like he's he's one of them you know people had something to say about him when he was in holland and celtic and there was question marks at southampton by everyone myself included you know he's proved everybody wrong he's done what he's needed to do you know he's playing. He's played a main part in Liverpool's rebuild. He's, he's expected to play a main part. Obviously, he should be bullish about this season. You've got the Euros at the end of it, and you're trying to defend the Premier League, which Liverpool haven't been able to be in a position in the last couple of years to do such. Obviously, I'm sure Liverpool want to do better in the Champions League. So there's that, and he's a main player and whatnot. And this is why he joined Liverpool to be a part of this. So it's a bit sad that his season is. I'm not going to say done because I don't know, but I'd assume significant part of the season is done he's not going to play significance you know even when fit is it wise that he plays again this season just because a man's fit or they said in two months let's just say you know in december december the first you're fit van Dijk. not that he is doesn't mean december the first comes he's ready to be thrown in a game again you know he's got to get the strength in the knees probably got to do some fitness drills he's obviously apologies for burping he's going to be he's going to be a bit rusty obviously the physical wounds heal and van dyke is very strong mentally so i don't think this will be a thing but how many of you have been injured before and you don't you're a bit reluctant to kick the ball or go into certain challenges or do several things because of fear of it repeating itself 
you know i'm not gonna read over it again but when you hear van dyke's statement it stream it screams of someone that's strong mentally and i think you know van dyke is a strong person mentally um i don't know anybody in his close circle but i'm going to assume he's surrounded by the best people liverpool is a great club with a great manager so klopp will be checking in the players will be checking in and the medical team and everybody else will be around him it's going to be tough because you know no matter how much people are checking in and you and whatnot van dyke's got to pull himself out of it himself it's going to be tough you know when you're on a bike or you're doing some mad exercises to strengthen your knee but you're seeing the players doing tactical stuff and you're thinking yo i'm supposed to be part of that you know i come here and i change the team it's a tough one how pickford didn't get any action at the time like i'm having a hard time understanding var because the whole point of it is surely clear and obvious when the ref has missed something why not get involved and you know i don't understand how they do this thing and it's happened several times even for incidences that are not extreme they say because it never got picked up in the game they're not going to face any any bans and whatnot or respective retrospective actions and sometimes that's relevant and that's the right decision but at the same time i wonder to myself let's just say i killed someone on on four street where i live right now i killed someone on the high road nobody saw me live do it but you know the police come and see cctv and they said deluded you shot him they're not going to say we're not going to charge you because at the time, boom, boom, boom. They're not going to say that, are you? You're still going to go jail. Do you get it? So while that might be an extreme example, you know, why is this? You know, because on top of Pickford just being a poor footballer, what is he doing? That's a reckless play. I hear that he said sorry and whatnot, but there's no need for that. You know, it's always there's no malice. It's like dunks for Brighton. Fair enough, he's going for the ball. But what the hell is that? Really and truly. And it's sad because some things go unnoticed, like even against Liverpool, Um, you know, numerous times you know Bakayo Saka was a victim against Trent Eddie Nketiah has been sent off and also been clamped Aubameyang's been on the receiving end Pepe's been on the receiving end you know it's a bit sad how I'm rightly so that the, that the media and whatnot are rallying behind Van Dyke. but people have been saying this forever you know many fans have been saying this forever as an Arsenal fan you know I've seen ne numerous leg breaks and numerous mad injuries and been called soft and whatnot. there was a Twitter account somebody did a great job you know they pulled up the analysis at the time for match of the day when Eddie got his Eduardo apologies got his injury when Aaron Ramsey got his injury I'm missing somebody else out but when these things happen you know they need to be the media you know I can't I understand the rallying behind Liverpool but some fans have been screaming about this for years you need to protect players you know the likes of Pepe the Zahas even Mo Salah I'm it's Mane as well I'm seeing some stupid challenges on them you know you're going to discourage these expressive players if you don't protect them and it's somebody's health it's it's, it's ridiculous what's going on um, people because people are getting banned for less VAR is showing more precision for less what is going on Obviously, I feel sorry for Henderson, you know. He felt like he robbed the game um, from Everton at the end. It ruled out to be offside. Um, a very harsh decision. Um, Henderson was quite outspoken about it and he could face action. Apparently, Liverpool are understood to have even asked the Premier League to investigate the application of VAR um, after, obviously, the two controversial decisions. And it's, and, and it's true, you know. I don't think there's anything wrong with VAR, like the actual principle. It's the implementation. It's, it's, you never get the vibe that the people controlling it are footballing men you know they never seem to help the referee when he's made a clear and obvious error how exactly it's implemented and used there's too many gray areas you know no football matches and no two contexts are the same but literally identical incidences that happen in one game a man's getting a yellow card or a penalty or a sent off and in the other it's being avoided because of several reasons i think most fans just concede now 
it and, and it won't work out like this. Numerous decisions for VAR is going to go against you and you just hope the balance of play goes for you. But it was a good game, people. It really was a good game, man. Our, um, Liverpool versus Everton. And Everton, it's a good point. It's a very good point and it continues their strong start to the season. It's another day, another, another Dominic Calvert-Lewin header. Obviously, with that, he's the first player to score in each of the club's first five Premier League games of the season. He got a hat-trick against West Brom. He bagged against Palace, Brighton, Liverpool and Spurs. He's doing all he can to remain in the England team. I say remain because he's broken now. And deservedly so. I think we've got some good problems in relation to fullbacks and also strikers right now for England, you know, because... You know, the only the definite the only definite I'm saying, you know, Harry Kane is a definite. You saw what he did against West Ham. You know what he's been doing for years. Kane is a definite. Um, I'm bringing Calvert-Lewin personally. I'm bringing Greenwood as well. I know he's young and whatnot. I'm bringing him personally. Um, there's probably, under me, there's a fourth choice. If Vardy wanted to come, he'd come. But, you know, you've got Tammy Abraham. You know, you've got you've got Danny Yings in good form. You've got couple play even even if you wanted to push the ball out. Callum Wilson's done all right in front of goal. There's couple strikers doing what they need to do. Obviously, Marcus Rashford and Raheem Sterling play on the flanks for England, but I've seen as strikers as well. So that's probably a disadvantage to people because I can see a thing where it could be... I don't think it'll be four strikers per se. I think he'll go with a Kane, a Calvert-Lewin, um, and maybe a one more in Tammy or something. And then, you know, the likes of Rashford, Greenwood, potentially Sterling, these sort of guys that can play up front and be used, they will be utilised. But Dominic Calvert-Lewin's a bad boy and, you know, he's scoring a, a lot of headers and a lot of goals. The next t the next step for Everton's number nine, I guess, will be can he get more variety in his goals? Now, if I'm a striker, I don't care how I score. If I'm Everton, I don't care. You know, I think the talent of being a, a, a serious predator in the box, in the air, aerial, an aerial predator is underrated. Um, and I really like Dominic Calvert-Lewin. He's an old school sort of striker in that. He'll put his body on the line. He's got a technical level. Um just needs to mix it up a bit and he's firmly proven that he deserves that number nine shirt people he's also the first Everton player to score in the first in first five league games in the season since Tommy Lawton in 1938-39 and he's also the first player from Europe's top five leagues to score 10 goals across all competitions this season having played seven games so long may it continue Dominic Calvert-Lewin and it was a touching moment a few weeks ago when his dad made that Facebook post about how his sons had to deal with a lot of adversity um, it, it had everything man big up Mohamed Salah as well there's been so many talking points I haven't even spoken on Mo Salah obviously Mo Salah 159 games for Liverpool 100 goals not bad for a one season wonder is it you know <laughs> crazy footballer you know signed for 40 odd million you know undoubtedly I don't know I'm not a Liverpool fan so I, I can't be speaking for them but he is surely a Liverpool legend I mean surely a lot of those players that have helped them get their first Premier League title in 30 years, the first in my lifetime, is a legend. Mohamed Salah is a Premier League and footballing legend and it's a pleasure to watch him. He has now scored 100 goals across all comps for Liverpool, becoming the third fastest player to do such in their history. Not too sure on the other two players, but, you know, if you're third on any Liverpool all-time team, you know, having not been there that long, you know, he's been there, what, two, three years maybe? Um, three years, maybe even four years to be fair, but either way, you know, he's having a good run. Big up, big up to James Rodriguez as well. James Rodriguez has been directly involved in six goals in the Premier League for Everton this season. Within five goals, five games, three goals, three assists. Loving life firmly on on Merseyside. Again, like I said, there was a lot of talking points. Um, you know, the Brazilian slash Spain midfielder Thiago. 
You know, I've said it. Him and Werner, I believe, I, I, I think they're the top signings in the in the season. You know, party, big up party. But I think Werner's going to be a gunman in front of goal, and he showed that. We'll get onto his team's game. But Thiago, some of the passes, I'm sure his own teammates are baffled because they think it's a bad pass, and then they see 30 seconds later, he's actually giving them the ball in the future in real time. I mean, he sees things before it's happened. I mean. I've lost for words with Thiago. I'm not even going to spend long about Thiago because he is a baller. He's firmly what Liverpool needed. He's a complete midfielder. And for me, he's already the best in the league. You know, Kevin De Bruyne and him, they're there really. You know, one minute I'm saying Thiago, then I say it's Kevin. I think I'll give it to Kevin because on technical ability, they're levels. But, you know, Kevin's given more to the Premier League. Thiago's just touched. But without the Premier League, just looking at two footballers, they're neck and neck. And I mean, you probably throw Pogba in there on ability but I just think ability application and the rest of it I'm I'm saying them two over him people really and truly apologies as I remember a talking point I wanted to speak about Thiago Kevin to be Pogba so yeah people obviously Firmino I'm a big fan of Firmino he plays for Brazil my adopted nation um, he's a baller, and but at the same time, I've said this before. Liverpool fans used to get onto me in my comments and say, "Oh, and fans in general, how do Liverpool need another striker?" Blah blah blah. To take it up to the next level, why do you think Klopp went for Werner? It's not to be on the bench; it's to give these front three problems. And don't get it twisted. I rate Firmino what he brings to the table, but people speak about creativity. He's a creative player. With Thiago, his his creativity is a, it's an addition for Firmino to have, but it's irrelevant. He needs to score goals, and it's concerning. The same way Aubameyang never had a shot against Liverpool and, and Man City. You know, Firmino's the third time this season he's failed to have a single shot on target, and I'm sorry, but that's poor. Like. <laughs> That's poor. And a club like Liverpool where, you know, they need to improve and you're not sure too many ways how they can. One position you'd probably say is maybe better in a striker and then maybe even dropping Firmino deeper and saying you do the creative thing. I don't know, just having complicated problems. But it was a fantastic derby between those two sides, man, in my opinion. Definitely when you consider recent years. It's been a crazy week in the Premier League and I'm sure you won't find too many crazier games than Spurs versus West Ham people. And that shows what I mean about Spurs. You know, I'm hearing a lot of shouts about Spurs title contenders, all of this. They very much will be. They've got a manager who's been around the block in Jose. To call Harry Kane a gunman and a complete striker is an understatement. You know, goals, assists, dropping deep, work rate. He can head, he can hit it with both feet. What more can I say about Kane? You know, if you've been watching the Premier League, son, you know, baller, baller. Maybe if he was from a Brazil or something like that, where the football teams have a higher reputation, he would have a bigger standing in world football. But I think son's a madness. I hear a lot of talk about Mane and all these players going to Madrid. And that's, I'm not dissing Mane. Mane's a baller. I'd have Mane over son because I like Mane a lot. But why is Son Son Heung-min never linked with these Bayern Munichs, these PSGs, these Madrids? Because he'd firmly help them. I know he's 28, 29, but he's a baller. I don't know why, you know, it's, people rate Son, but it's like Son's one of them players that are rated, but not truly rated. I think the same about Lewandowski. People talk about his goals. Clearly, as a striker, that's all you want. But he's got way more to his game than just that, you know. Really, Son's a baller, you know, Kane and Son's link-up play is legendary and it's up there statistically. Spurs are putting people to the sword, you know, they've done good business in the summer. You know, they brought in a centre-half and after to, after that result against West Ham, it highlights their defensive errors. You know, they've got Kane and Son 
Bale's not fit and he looked lousy to put it nicely against West Ham. Missing easy chances, giving the ball away. He's rusty. What would you expect from someone that's not been playing for Madrid? You can train as much as you want, but, you know, he's not been playing and it's going to take a while for Bale. He's clearly lost a yard of pace, but he's still going to be an effective and devastating player. You just need to wait for him to get fit. I hope he's not that guy because he plays for Spurs, but I think Bale is going to take them up a level but it needs to wait and I think for Bale we're going to see how true his how true of a professional he is because um, if it was other players that was doing the uh, you know playing goal sleeping on the Madrid on the Madrid um on the Madrid subs bench and all of these sort of things they'd question the professionalism is it a, a result is it a, a coincidence that you're seeing all of this he's barely playing I don't think he was playing for Madrid's Castilla I think he takes his fitness seriously but I don't know how much work he was doing to keep up match fitness you know you can train as much as you want playing is there's no difference from you know there's nothing better than playing it to stay fit you know is it any coincidence that these things that I've just mentioned it's all added into a cocktail as to why you know he's not looking fit and it's down to Bale you know the fitness coaches are going to work with him they spent a lot of money on this temporary loan deal but it's up to Bale how fit does he want to be because he didn't look at it again it's only half an hour again he hasn't played football for a while this is why the expectations need to be curbed you'll probably see the best Bale in the few in the next few weeks to months really you know but I think he'll do well you know Spurs have definitely with the signings they've made and the way they've been playing can have more of a fight for top four but it does, like you've seen, you can put teams to the sword 3-0. You've got to be able to see out the lead for A, Harry Winks. I don't know what he's doing for at least two of those goals. And also your defence has to be on point. And I know they've signed a centre-half, um, but they've got centre-half issues. I'm a big fan of Davidson Sanchez, but he wasn't at it. You know, Aurier switching off. And it's just, Spurs love these cheap goals. Even the game against Newcastle, highlighted by VAR because of the penalty awarded, which was harsh. And it was... But Spurs had time to kill that game off. It could have been 4-5-6-1 people. It wasn't because Spurs didn't take their chances and they dropped points. And again, you know, no team looks like they want to be solid defensively and lock it down in that regard. So how can you do anything really and truly? Big up West Ham though. That Lanzini goal, to call it a banger is an understatement as you lot already know, people. Absolute cracker of a goal. Absolute banger and it was lovely you know cheap mistakes cost Spurs but shout out to David Moyes and David Moyes team for showing resilience with that I believe Spurs are still winless in the Premier League at home which is I'm sure Spurs fans won't be happy with that really and truly um, West Ham are the first team in the Premier League to avoid defeat in a game having been 3-0 down as late as the 81st minute again you know nine minutes from time to mess it up, that's unacceptable for Spurs. And, you know, there's there's plenty of football to be played. It's a 38-game calendar. But, you know, when you're in May and you miss out on several um, several um, targets that you had for your team collectively, you look back at games like this and say, this is what cost us sort of thing. And as an Arsenal fan, obviously seeing us win 4-0 against Newcastle and draw the game 4-4, you know, it's happy to see this happen to someone else. It highlights the beauty of the Premier League and the randomness and the sheer... The sheer volume of errors that every team is making, really. Like, teams are dropping mad clangers. That's why there's high-scoring goals. Um, big up West Ham. Spurs have won each of their previous 87 Premier League games when leading by at least three goals. Last dropping points from this position in a 3-5 defeat against Manchester United in September 2001. I actually remember that. Um, Sun Hyun Min and Harry Kane have combined it for 28 goals, the fourth most of any Premier League duo in history. 
and the most of any current duo and they will overtake that people without without a doubt really on 28 you know they're going to kind of combine for goals for the next couple of years they'll probably go for that record really hopefully there's no trophies to show for that and that's all they've got because as much as I love Harry Kane when you mention Harry Kane fortunately for Arsenal fans all his accomplishments don't really correlate with Spurs you know he's he's got the top goal scoring thing for, for England I know he's won the golden boot at Spurs but what did it correlate in I know he's gone to a final but no trophies in I know I've got to be a bit petty. It's my podcast. I can be a bit petty as I want. And as an Arsenal fan, my team lost. I know Spurs and Chelsea drew, but we can we can save some face. Like I said, Harry Kane is a fantastic footballer, people. Um, and he has now been directly involved in 12 Premier League goals this season, seven assists and five goals. Um, the highest number of direct goal involvements by a player after five games of a single campaign. And especially in the assist campaign, assist rankings he's showing that there's more to the kid than just goals you know strikers live or die by goals but it's about what you're doing when you're not scoring and Kane again you can't judge everybody books by its cover like again I think Kane's I think in terms of the, the sheer trait of goal scoring um I think Aubameyang is better than Kane at that or you know you could say Kane Kane is better than him at that I'll take that but in terms of complete football in this and movement I'd say Aubameyang's probably got better movement than Kane but in terms of being a complete footballer you know back to goal many different roles of playing in up front I think it's I think it's Kane I know Aubameyang can play up front but I think Kane you know Aubameyang's not getting goals and assists like that you know he's not dropping deep like that he's a complete player sort of thing like I said I think you know Aubameyang just because I believe in Kane I'm not beating um, Aubameyang over the head with a stick you know Kane's a complete player he shows that he can do both same way Aubameyang you're just about goals so just score goals same way Firmino he's with the creative thing I'm not necessarily looking at him to score goals in, in, even though he really should sometimes I believe in judging players on their prints on what they're about and what they've been about but you know when you've got a player like Kane you know you do wonder why everybody can't do that Manchester United, Oli Golasosha, big up Oli, because the longer he stays at United, the more confident I am about Man United's demise. Um, big up Oli Golasosha, you know, he got on a serious note, he got back to winning ways, you know. Bruno Fernandes missed the pen, but then patterned up. Manchester United won four goals to one. Matter looked good as well. He doesn't play too tough, but he did his thing, you know. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but did Harry Maguire not score as well? I could be wrong. And it's an important three points for, for Man United. You know, they haven't started the season strong. There's question marks over them as a team. Obviously, for some teams like Man United, the Champions League is here and they're playing PSG and Cavani's not travelling because he ain't played. I think Harry Maguire might not travel. I could be wrong on him. And I definitely think Greenwood is staying. Um, so it's about momentum. You know, you can't feel sorry for yourselves after losing. And if they lost to Newcastle going into this Tuesday game, where is everybody's heads at um, sort of thing? Man United enjoyed their 10th their tenth comeback win against Newcastle in the Premier League. This is the most by any side against a single opponent in the competition. Man United have been awarded 17 penalties in the Premier League since the start of last season. Five more than any other side in the competition. Charlotte Ferguson is definitely paying his direct debits still. They've scored 12 of them, people. Bruno Fernandes has been directly involved in 19 goals in his 18 Premier League appearances for Man United, eight assists, 11 goals, scoring in each of his last three games. Got to cap some because some are penalties. I don't believe, you know, that's one thing I hate about football. People always, I'm seeing people saying you should remove penalties from the golden boot. People saying it's just penalties, anyone can do it. I get it, penalties are not glamorous, but the amount of bottle you need to even chip a penalty or take a penalty left or right is, is a madness. It is a skill because you look at someone like Letizia over his career, he only missed one. 
that's a good thingy. You know, you need a good mentality and bottle. So I don't think it should be taken out of, of the golden boot. I think, I think silly. I think a goal's a goal. Of course, you know, there's another debate to say the credibility of goals. Because if I've always, naturally, if I'm a striker and like I, I'm DG the striker and there's, you know, my twin, um, YC, let's just say I've got 10 goals, but my 10 goals, I've got long range strikes. I've got important headers and all these things. Let's just say for him, he's got couple pen. He's got some important goals, but he's got couple penalties and things. I can see, you know, I, I don't think it's true, but I could see more credibility in, you know, dissecting Vardy versus Aubameyang's goals. Who scored in the bigger games? What t caliber of goals did they score? I can get that, but I don't think penalties should be disregarded because it's a skill. I think strikers are hungry and they always want to do it. And the goals are goal really and truly like, you know, I, whether I score from first, yards or I score a tapping from two yards it's not like you get bonus points like in in FPL and stuff in the league for scoring it's not like one goal counts for double a goal is a goal people really and truly but yeah big up Man United for getting back to winning ways um, Crystal Palace and Brighton drew 1-1-1 one, one, one. you know it had everything I'm seeing Lamperty and Mitchell having handbags you know it had a lot of handbags it had late drama as McAllister um, robbed Palace of all three points. You know, big up Zaha because he bagged and he has scored more goals against Brighton in all competitions than he has against any other opponent. Big shock of the weekend. Aston Villa keep marching on, people. You know, another clean sheet, three points. Barkley seems to have a resurgence. And again, you know, it's the Euros again. Barkley wouldn't go for me, but on current form, you can't deny um, Barkley based on how he started. You know, he's having a resurgence. You know, the one man that I think should be in the team and should be respected a bit more is Jack Grealish. I would love him at Arsenal. I don't think Southgate rates him. But it is what it is, you know. Aston Villa are unbeaten in their last seven Premier League games, winning five and drawing two. Winning the last three in a row. They had a lot they last had a longer run in the competition back in October twenty eleven. You know, I think if you check all their positive stats, it correlates with Arsenal winning the league, as, as a lot of people on Twitter have said. You know, big up Emmy Martinez speaking of Arsenal. He has kept more clean sheets than he has conceded goals in the Premier League this season. Three clean sheets, two goals. Obviously, that's not gonna continue and obviously the fewest goals conceded in the Premier League so far Aston Villa have only conceded two Arsenal have conceded six now we've got to discount us a bit because we've played Liverpool and we've played City I'd like I said I don't think both teams are going to stay there or I don't think both teams are going to top the defensive statistics but I think this highlights a how Villa and Arsenal have improved and b highlights how poor teams have been defensively all over the shop you know, big up Barkley, like I said, because he has scored in each of his last two Premier League appearances for Aston Villa. You know, that's as many as he managed in his last 42 for Chelsea before the loan spell um, as well. Big up Wesley Fofana. You know, he got to, again, I, I hear Siyunchu is out for three months or so with Leicester. That's a big blow to their plans. And Wesley Fofana could make more appearances. The teenager from St Etienne, you know, his debut by numbers. He made the most clearances in the game with nine. Most aerial duels, one with seven. And the most interceptions with six. Now, Fofana is a very good player. Want to see my own French centre-half Saliba playing, you know. When I know, I know the situations aren't the same, but same ages more or less. One's playing, one's not. Many people say it's different playing for Leicester and Arsenal, and I get that. But on the other hand, one team's qualified for the Champions League, more recent memory than us. The other one team's also won the Premier League, more um, recent memory than us. I hear us, we can talk about historical this and that, but you know, in terms of stature, it's another debate. Chelsea drew 3-3 against Southampton. Big up Southampton for the fight back. You know, one thing i got to give praise, you know, Havertz got on the score sheet. Werner was a demon, you know. The, 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 the way Werner was taking them goals, it was hunger, it was desire, it was never giving up. That's what I have been thought I would have seen earlier from Werner. And I think with that, 
you know, it's finally sunk in for Werner what the Premier League's about and the sort of way you have to go about your business. You know, Werner's quick. He's he's aggressive. He's he's my sort of player. He's aggressive in the right way. He you know he's on the scrappers. He's got the technical ability. He'll feed off scraps. He'll work hard. You know, like many players coming into the league, I think Werner and Kai Havertz and Pepe and all these guys. You know, they've they they've they've. It's been a culture shock because they've realised you know it's it's end to end and all of these sort of things and that's what I have to get with it. Once they get past that, they're madness it's a shame for Werner though because again like Arsenal historically like Chelsea, like Spurs shown against West Ham you've got to keep clean sheets you've got to see out the victory and I don't know what Zuma's doing for one of them goals Kepper has been you know shot of confidence and I know ironically Mendy has a minor injury for Chelsea and Kepper's back in but you know how Kepper is still first choice for Spain I don't know Kepper needs to call it a day at Chelsea you know I don't I don't know what's happening with Kepper he just looks so shot on confidence um, big up to Danny Ings for, for helping my FBL team and obviously getting back on the score sheet. Um, Chay, Chay Adams, Shay Adams, you know, I think he technically got a goal and an assist, so he done quite well. Um, you know, he's been a bit hot and cold for Southampton since his move. Um, Wolves and Leeds played out. Well, Wolves won one goal to nil against Leeds, you know, courtesy of a Jimenez strike. With that, since the start of last season, Jimenez is one of only four players in the Premier League to have scored 30-plus goals in all competitions alongside Raheem Sterling, 35, Harry Kane, 34, and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang with 31. Jimenez himself has 30. Also with that, Wolves have won three of their last five games of a top flight campaign for the first time since 1979-80. So Wolves go marching on firmly. West Bromwich Albion and Burnley played out an expected nil-nil defeat. And for people that paid £15 for that, I, I am upset for you. Um, like Bielik said, football is not polo or golf. It's not my money, it's their money. Football should not be free, but affordable. Football is the sport for the masses, a working class sport and should be affordable to everyone. You know, I've always liked Bielik, you know, he's always been someone I've really liked hearing his punditry and wanted to do well in management. And there's nothing more I can add on to that. Of course, it shouldn't be. Obviously, I would like it to be free, but we're in a business, you know, Sky Sports have to make money. It is what it is. We don't mind paying for a service. There's nothing wrong paying for a service. But you're taking fans for idiots. You know, clubs are trying to fleece us. Broadcasters are trying to fleece us. TF uh, Transport for London, congestion charge, all of that are trying to fleece us. They're just trying to rob us poor Londoners, because I can only speak for my reality, and just football fans all over the country. Like they forget that we have we have our own families, you know. So I can't speak for myself, but some people got a wife and kids and things like that. They seem to think we're all like the Tories and, and the people in the government where we can earn a hundred K salaries and then put everything down to expenses and you know go around the world doing fancy little speeches for a hundred bags a time. We're not like that. We're normal men and women and whatnot so yeah man big up everyone that saved their money not paying for that and what i'm loving is that i'm seeing a lot of fans um a lot of fans of all clubs like i know there's other fans but i can only speak on newcastle a lot of fans rather than donating their little 15 pound to the premier league they're do donating it to charities to children children's stuff children in need and all them sort of things them and and what i like food banks as well let's look after our own you know newcastle fans donated twenty thousand pound to a charity over the weekend in protest against this scheme people now they lost 4-1 it is well it is but it's, it's irrelevant you know i'm really liking it and apparently the scheme is charity not ppv campaign which is asks fans to donate um, and there's also been fans of Man United, of Leeds, of Aston Villa and of Burnley, amongst other clubs that have done the same thing, people. Um, so big up all the fans out there, man, that are doing things like that. The Premier League don't need our money. They don't. Um, I haven't forgot people. Fulham and, and Sheffield United, who I think were also on 
um, pay-per-view. I've only watched the highlights, Drew won one as well. That draw doesn't help either side with their troubles, but I'm sure many teams would have taken that Sheffield United still can't really buy a win. Fulham are woeful. So a point isn't the worst of, of results while it is frustrating. Um, I don't think I'm missing out any Premier League fixture. And if I am, it must have just not been relevant, people simply put. In other news, though, where, where are we going? Aspilicueta has been quite critical of Chelsea's mistakes, people. He's obviously, as you lot know, they've scored 13 goals this season, I believe, and conceded nine goals in five Premier League games this season. Obviously, they were 2-0 up and obviously 3-2 up against Southampton on Saturday before, obviously, during the game. Um, they obviously came from 3-0 down against West Brom last last uh, month as well. And Aspilicueta himself has said... When you're weak defensively, sometimes we feel like we have to score three or four each match. I see football as a collective. When we don't score as a defender, I think how can we put our attacking players in better situations? Throughout a season, you're not going to win 3-0 or 4-0 every week. You have to work to get results. And at the moment, we have to improve that. And it's true, you know, I don't blame them for thinking that. They know they're not. They, that tells me that Aspilicueta doesn't have confidence potentially in himself and the whole team you know the defensive unit and the whole team's ability to see out leads so they know they have to keep going forward which obviously like you can see a mixture of having a terrible goalie defenders unable to defend properly and just a poor team outlook in relation to defending you're going to concede cheap goals you will win 5-1 5-2 and whatnot equally you'll be you'll draw 3-3 when you could have ran away with the game or you know you'll have to claw it back against West Brom and I don't know how 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 they fix their problems I don't know how they do it but that's something for Lampard. That's what he's going to live or die on. You know, they've got Werner finding his feet. Havertz is finding his feet. Pulisic is back. You know, you've got ZX to come in as well. They've got some good options and some good conundrums and problems in and around the team. But like with Spurs, like with Arsenal historically, potentially United and just about everybody, if you're not Arsenal and Villa right now this season, how you defend is going to make or break your season, whether you stay in the league or what. You know, attackers win you games. Defences win you league titles will keep you in the league or bring you trophies. So we'll have to see. Moving away from that and in other news, people, you know, um, when it comes to the Champions League, there's a lot of players that I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Shabozlai, you know, I'm looking at seeing Renz as a collective, in particular Jeremy Doku and Kamavinga, you know, I'm keen to see Salzburg and all their other players as well. Um, equally, Borussia Dortmund, you know, Mukoko. Um, Yusuf Amokoko, you know, 15-year-old lad that's been on the books for a while. Apparently, he's going to make his Bundesliga debut this season when he turns 16. Potentially, you know, depending on how it goes in Europe, you know, can can he make his Champions League debut? Sadly, news though, people, and this is why I have to say Black is beautiful and he won at the end of the day. He bagged a hat-trick in his under-19s 3-2 derby win against Schalke on Sunday. There was around 300 home fans. Remember, he's 15 people and he had to deal with racial incidences. Comments like, you know, the the numerous N-word and things like that are monkey chants and also threats to put him in a grave. Now, this shows you everything, you know, this mob mentality. Half of these people will probably ask for his autograph and to take pictures after the game. Half of them are probably his biggest fans. Don't get it twisted. These are cowards because most of them, despite being 15, him being 15, wouldn't say it to his face. You know, they're a terrible example to, 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 to whoever they are. You know, I assume this is middle-aged men and whatnot you know all different young or old for the young men to be so young and have that level of ignorance in your heart I, I i feel sorry for you equally i hope you get punched in the face the same goes for the big men out there because if
if you said that to people who can defend themselves or ain't got nothing to lose, like myself, because I ain't no footballer, it will, it will get long. You know, you'll put him in the grave, nobody did anything. And at the end of the day, big up Makoko because he's played a starring role. You know, he, he helped his team win. You know, he's got these lots saying racial, idiot, idiotic stuff. And despite his young years, their big wives are probably watching him and perving over him. You know, they'll probably end up tapping their girls after. You know, it's ridiculous. Someone at 15 that has to be so shooken up with that. And to be fair, it's sad to say, but I could imagine being a 15-year-old player playing in Germany for Borussia Dortmund. It's not the first and it's not going to be the last, you know. Probably from the moment he stepped in, he's probably had to deal with that. Same goes for Inaki Williams at Bilbao or Asu Fati, formerly of Seville and now Barcelona. I can imagine it. Or Balotelli in Italy. I can imagine it, you know. I'm tired of hearing we need to take the turn the other cheek and stuff like that. The, the authorities need to rein it in and, 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 and really come down like a ton of bricks on teams, regardless of what level this done is this done at. Because one day or another, players are going to take authority into their own hands and it's going to end up in violence. And apparently all of this was even picked up by the by by TV and there was no reaction by the referee. Is it any you know, referees are cowardly as well. It's gonna. It takes balls from his 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 teammates and the and the ref to flag things. The ref probably heard it and aired it. Apparently, Schalke immediately apologised to him and Dortmund, and they've promised that the culprits would be identified and dealt with. Um, and I mean, consider con considering that their former um, advisory board chairman Clemens Tonys was let off with a, with some serious non racial nonsense comments a few months ago, and was only given a self imposed three months suspension. I highly doubt that Schalke's decision makers would would really do what needs to be done and deal with it in all selfishness. We know they're not going to deal with it because it probably is not something that directly affects them. But Makoko, keep your head up. Black is beautiful. Black will always stay winning. You know they're hating you because they can't. They you know, they can't comprehend being black, wavy and a good footballer. So keep it up, man. And to all my black people out there, never let them discriminate you against your the colour of your skin. You're beautiful. You know, the melanin is amazing. We come in all different sorts of shades and we're wavy. No matter what they've done to us historically, no matter what they continue to do, never hate your personal appearances. Never let them make you feel like less of a human because you're beautiful. And that goes to each and every one of you. And obviously everybody, regardless, is beautiful. But I'm specifically talking about black people because this is something that is getting on, getting on a bit and I'm quite frankly getting cheesed off. Moving away from that and speaking about homegrown laws, we all know a lot of teams have been making massive drives at recruitment level under 18s and 23s with Brexit laws or homegrown laws and how's that going to affect people? You look at United, they brought in a few Spanish lads. Um, apparently... A World Cup bid could give the FA an edge on quotas. Apparently, as the Football Association and Premier League continue to tussle over homegrown player quotas post-Brexit, the Athletic is told of a factor that the FA hopes will give them the upper hand. The column reported in July that the two, home, the two sides were close to an agreement on the ratio of homegrown to non-homegrown players in a 25-man squad. It's likely to be at 7 to 18 but had still not decided on the criteria to determine which overseas players can gain a work permit with the FA determined to implement a high entry threshold and the Premier League favouring a low bar. They aim to finally reach the consensus by the end of October and it can be revealed that the FA believes its case has been strengthened by a potentially decisive support from the government. This relates to Prime Minister Boris Johnson's pledge of staging the 2030 World Cup in the UK and Ireland. If it comes to fruition... Ministers want an England team capable of winning a trophy and therefore a strong pool of players to pick from. 
Responsibility for that would fall on the FA and Wembley officials are therefore confident their wish on the quotas will receive political backing. So we'll have to see what happens there, people. Moving away from that, though, folks, and we've got the Champions League and Europa League to come, people. So let's actually see what fixtures are to happen. In the Champions League, we have Zenit St. Petersburg against Club Bruges. We have Kiev versus Juventus. We have Leipzig against Bosaksko. We have Rennes against Karnozdor. I can't say their name. There's a couple teams in the Champions League I can't pronounce, but Rennes are playing. You've got Lazio against Dortmund. You you know, you've got Chelsea against Seville. You've got Paris Saint-Germain against Manchester United. You've got Barcelona in action. Um, you've got Real Madrid against Shakhtar. You've got Albi Salzburg against Lokomotiv Moscow. You've got Ajax against Liverpool. You've got Man City against Porto. You know, you've got uh, Michelin versus Atlanta. That should be a good one. You've got Olympiacos versus Marseille. You've got Bayern Munich against um, Lucas Torreira's lone club, Atletico Madrid. You know, you've got Inter Milan versus Borussia Mönchengladbach. You've got some some really good games. And in relation to the Europa, you've got Standard Liège against Rangers. You've got Slavia Prague versus... I think that's Tel Aviv. I could be wrong, but it says on Google Ben Shaver. I don't know. You've got Leverkusen against Nice. You know, Jeffrey Adelaide's new team in Nice against Leon Bailey's Leverkusen. You've got Cluj versus CSK Sofia. You've got AC Ammonia versus PA's... PA's um PAOK Paco I can never say their name ain't that um Akpom's old team you've got PSV versus Granada you um in the Europa League you've got Dundalk versus Molda you've got Napoli versus AZ Alkmaar um apologies people you've got Nice if I didn't make that specific we're talking about the Europa League now you've got Nice versus Leverkusen um and whatnot PSV should be a good one I'm keen to see Noni Maduke in the, in such um you've got Poznan versus Benfica. You've got my team in action rapid against Rapid Vienna. Arsenal versus Rapid Vienna. You've got Sociedad against the next team. You've got Young Boys against Roma. You've got Ludigrets against Antwerp of, of Belgium. You've got Hoffenheim in action. You've got Lille versus Sparta Prague. You've got Celtic versus AC Milan. You've got Seville versus Sivaspor. You've got Braga against AK Athens. And you've got Spurs against LASK. There's some good options there, people. Dynamo Zagreb against uh, against Feyenoord, Feyenoord. Leicester City against Zoya. You've got Wolfsburg against CSK. You've got Tel Aviv against um, Kayarabag, who we faced before in this competition. You've got Gent versus Leberic. So you've got some interesting clashes in, in the Champions League and Europa, people. So it's football is fully back, people. Football is fully, fully back. If we move closely into... If we just end this on some transfer business, people. Um, have, is, it champ, is, it, is it that? In fact, apologies, people. I saw in The Athletic as well. Apparently, COVID worries means players have been rejecting moves. Local COVID restrictions have dissuaded a Premier League player from making a long move during the latter stages of the domestic window, which closed on Friday. Apparently, the player in question refused point blank to join an EFL club based in the northwest due to fears about rising virus figures in the region. He felt safer staying put in his club's London Premier League bubble where players are tested once a week. 
crazy and the, and the athletic also said another example of the problems the pandemic is posting was recently experienced by a top flight side when a new signing contracted the virus the player was staying in a hotel at the time and being confined to a bedroom throughout his period of self-isolation was deemed far from ideal the plan was formed to move him into the house of a staff member who was leaving the club only for that player to be a person sorry to be identified as close contact of the affected player and instructed to isolate himself given this individual had not recorded a positive test it was decided he would be replaced in his in his property by the infected player and instead isolate at a spacious resident of another squad member however that player then also tested positive and, a, and an alternative solution had to be sought. So it's crazy. In, in years to come, in many years, in 2020, 20, 25, 30 years, when we look back at COVID, you know, we're going to see, we're going to learn a lot. But yeah, to wrap this up, let's speak quickly about transfers, people. Obviously, big up Danny Welbeck for joining Brighton on a free transfer and returning to the Premier League. Apparently, Southampton want to hand Danny Ings a new contract and apparently it is thought to be close to agreement. For the 28-year-old, as you lot know, he has scored five goals in eight games for the club and for the club and obviously country this season. And obviously he had he could have moved to Spurs, but the bid was rejected. Um, and it's a good piece of business buying the former Liverpool man. Apparently, Spurs are planning to offer a new contract to Sun Heung Min um, and bring his wages um, to 150 a week in a bid to get the 28-year-old to sign a new deal. Um, Apparently, Liverpool are on the case of Oppo Meccano and Ben White with in mind the injury to Van Dijk. Um, apparently, former Chelsea manager Sarri is in pole position to take over at Florentina. As you've all saw, Zalbaleta retired officially as a professional footballer and Man City are exploring the opportunity of making him return to the club in a non-playing role, which I feel is well-deserved for someone who was a great serviceman for them. Apparently, Haaland would prefer a move to Real Madrid over Manchester United. Barcelona want to offload Usman Dembele and Denmark forward Martin Braithwaite to make for make for make way for um, Myron Baidu of AZ Alkmaar and Memphis Depay of Lyon. Apparently, Dybala doesn't want to sign a new contract at Juventus, but they're confident they'll be able to persuade the 26-year-old to sign a new deal. Apparently, Phil Jones wants to leave Manchester United in January after being left out of the Champions League squad. Why wouldn't you try and leave already? PSG will attempt to sign. Ericsson for 20 million euros from Inter Milan. Apparently Mbappe is no closer to extending his deal at PSG and apparently Real Madrid, Liverpool and Barcelona are all monitoring the situation. For Barcelona, you know, right now, if you're not going to bring back Neymar, you need to bring, bring in him. Real Madrid, you need a superstar. He firmly is that. Liverpool, you've heard they're linked for a while and he would undoubtedly be a global superstar for Liverpool and a blockbuster signing. Um, apparently, you know, he could be planning an exit. Um, as you lot know, he's contracted until 2022. They'd probably be forced to sell him next summer if the 21-year-old does not want to sign a new deal. There's talk of him and Neymar signing new deals. There's talk of neither player signing new deals. So we'll have to see what happens in that regards, people. But with that, transfer news brings an end to what has been, for me anyways, a fantastic podcast. You know, we've been here around 10 minutes, 20 minutes longer, really, than we'd usually be. But I think I've given you lots something to speak about i think i've done a decent job um so yeah man it means a lot that you lot have listened please make sure you're you, you know you're following on all the all the platforms the spotify's the googles the apples and all of these sort of things for when the next one comes out we're coming back on friday you lot know me i typically do one on a monday morning tuesday if there's monday fixtures and a friday one 
previewing the fixtures at the weekend. So make sure you're there for that. You know, if you're missing me, you know I do this thing on YouTube. So make sure you're 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 staying in the loop with my YouTube videos and you're subscribed and whatnot. All the information across all my socials is in the description. Please stay safe. I'll be back again. People, DG, I'm out. Love for listening.